lots of time now, but it's so important because this is one of Jesus' most important teachings. So everyone who was sitting on that mountain listening to it for the first time was getting the most radical new set of ideas about religion and about God that they've ever heard before. And so when we go through it again slowly and take time with it, we actually get to sit in a reset of what are the ways of the kingdom. So last time I was preaching on the Sermon on Mount with the Beatitudes, and we were learning about how who gets blessed in the kingdom. And we learned that it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, the only thing that matters is who has your heart. And now we're moving into chapter six, and chapter six we take that radical acceptance, and Jesus starts to teach us what does it mean in our acts of devotion to God. What does it mean um, for the ways that we relate to God? And I just want us to, to really think about and position ourselves to receive from this, not as, um, not as somebody that God's trying to, Jesus is trying to say, do this, don't do that, to trying to give a new set of rules. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is to pull us out of religious routine and to pull us into deep relationship with God. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Pharisees and the pagans and how not to pray. But, but God, uh, Jesus wasn't actually speaking necessarily to the pagans and the Pharisees in that moment. He was actually speaking to the single mom who was, who was sitting there trying to learn how to be close to God, or the fishermen. He was sitting talking to ordinary people going, I know you see religion and belief and, and uh, enacted in a certain way in your culture, but I'm introducing you to a radical new way. So that's what we're going to go through today. That's the lens that I want you to look through while we're doing this. And Taryn began um, chapter 6 last week by just really focusing in on this repeated pattern in chapter 6 that says the Father rewards that which is done in secret. And he particularly focused on our Father. This was a radical idea, and this is actually still a radical idea that we get to relate to God as Father. And all he wants is for us to come to him as his children. So the passage today is Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. And directly after this passage, Jesus is going to teach his disciples the Lord's Prayer. So he's going to go into that model prayer. But he puts this bit in first because he wants to really make sure that our hearts and minds are aligned to who he is and who we really are. Because otherwise, that model prayer just becomes another religious ritual. It's not about the words. It's about the relationship. And the relationship is what gives the words power and authority. So today our title could be How Not to Pray, but since that's quite negative, I've instead decided to go with the secret to an explosive prayer life. <laughs> because I really believe that God wants us to have an explosive prayer life. We are made to have an amazing prayer life. We're made for joy in our prayer life and victory in our prayer life and deep communion with God. We're made to see prayers answered as we pray with God, we get his heart and we pray what he's praying and we see change. We see it for ourselves but we also see it for the world. We see that for our friends and our communities, we can see that for the city. And later on I'm going to get Dave up here because he's just been in Sweden um, and as we know Dave is an amazing prophetic voice. He knows how to hear the Lord and to release that to others, to see God's kingdom come. And so he's going to share some testimony as an example of what we're talking about today. 
So let's get into the text, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen with by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So again, Jesus is saying, I know you've seen this. You've seen religion enacted this way in front of you. That's not what this is. And he's challenging the hypocritical nature of the Pharisees, as he's done many times before. And he said, it's not about your religious activity. And he's calling out the fact that they were way more concerned with looking spiritual and looking respectable and the approval of man than actually true devotion to God. Well, now to see people praying in the street corners, we see that quite a lot, actually, in the megaphone crew. And, um, but back then, it was a little bit like the Muslims today, there were specific hours and times to pray for devout Jews. So they could, at the afternoon prayer time, go into their room and pray privately, or they could time it so that they were in a very public place or in the synagogue. So he's saying what a lot of what some of them were doing in a hypocritical way was to go and leverage that moment so that the right people could see them doing the right things. And what he's saying to them is, wow, you've received your reward in full. Once you've done that, that, that is all you're going to get out of that moment. So was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it that somebody looked at you and went, oh, wow, that person is very respectful and spiritual? Was it worth it maybe for the promotion you got in the synagogue? Was it worth it for whatever worldly goal you had in your mind that made you behave that way so that you could get that reward because that's all you're ever going to get? And I think Jesus was saying it with sadness, going, I have so much more to offer. Have you no idea how you're selling yourself short by going after human approval or the things of this world? There's a whole kingdom. There's this beautiful kingdom, this stable, secure source of love, this way to get your deepest desires met. When we were in worship, I saw this picture of like a, a drill going deep into the core of the earth, and I felt like the Lord was saying, at every person's core, their desire is for deep communion with God. He fulfills every desire. And we have to just take off all of the, the rubbish that gets, gets stuck around our soul and go to the very depth of it. What we think is a desire for that approval, what we think is a desire to be successful, those things are not even our true desires. We get them in the empty. So he wants his disciples to know as he's speaking out this sermon that is, that is, I have more for you than that. This is not what I expect for you. Don't feel like you have to go and behave this way. Don't feel like you have to be respectable for anybody. But instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. Imagine the rewards available when you just get alone with God. And I'm so glad today that we have this amazing worship time. We're really focused in on the most important thing, which is encounter. We need to be still and to know Him. Be still and to know Him. That's where we change. That's where that desire is fulfilled. We go into a room with our Father, and when He sees what is done in secret, He rewards us. 
Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will find rest under the shadow of His wings. This is what He's designed for us. He wants the secret place, the space that's alone with Him to be this place of rest and refuge. He wants it to be the place that we come and strength rises up for our day. He wants it to be that place when we come and we are so assured of who the Father is that there is nothing that could happen in our life that would convince us that we don't have everything we need to face it. This is what he's offering. His main priority has always been, as Luke said today, and will always be connection with you. And if you don't believe me, let's listen to Jesus' prayer for his disciples in John 17. I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us and that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our testimony is our oneness. Our life is our oneness. Our desires are fulfilled in our oneness. The only thing we need to go after is our oneness. And he's jealous for us. He created us for himself. He's jealous for us. It's like he's given us this most beautiful, beautiful gift. And he's saying, will you spend your life unwrapping it? Will you, will you make it your highest priority to unwrap that gift? And he knows it's a mystery. He knows it's a mystery. If this was easy and simple, we'd all be doing it all the time. This is mysterious. The kingdom is a mystery, but we get to pursue it with everything in us all the days of our life. And the more that we grasp it, the more that those kingdom, the kingdom, the joy, the righteousness, the peace, the more that those become manifest in our lives. And the more we're able to release that to others as well. And the more our prayers become infused with power. Because again, it's not the words, it's the relationship yeah. that backs up the words. And we start to pray with him and we release God's kingdom on earth. I was reading a bunch of studies um, this week on prayer and um, there were quite a few that said that they've actually proved that prayer doesn't work. And they, they did these very clever studies where they got a whole bunch of people to pray um, over people that had heart conditions. This was done by Harvard. And so some of them knew that uh, the people knew they were being prayed for, some of them didn't know they were being prayed for, and then some of them weren't prayed for and they had this whole clever study. And they concluded from the study that prayer doesn't work. And it went uh, a little bit viral on the internet and um, it was quite discouraging actually. But if we make prayer about words, then we can do those studies and maybe they don't work. Because it's not about manipulating anything. It's not about saying words over people. It's about accessing this oneness that we have and releasing the power that's within that over people and then we do see healing and we do see people touched we do see people's lives transformed by the word of God because his, his words carry transformative power so later in Matthew 6 Jesus will teach us to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and the rest will be added and he's not talking about religious activity or coming to church doing the right thing or trying not to sin he just says seek first Seek first, just get alone with your father. A few of us were um, talking the other day about how we try so hard to do this every day and many of us fail, as I'm sure all of you can relate to. But when we do do it, we were saying how oh, isn't it amazing that when we do take that intentional time in the morning or at lunchtime or at some point in the day 
the rest of the day does carry a different piece. The rest of the day does carry a different atmosphere. And sometimes you sit in that space with the Lord, and sometimes I do, and I feel His presence with me, and it's a beautiful time. And sometimes I sit and I feel nothing, and I wonder if He's even there. But every time I go into my day with an awareness of who He is, and that awareness actually shifts something throughout that day. We can't, we can't have a deep relationship with anybody without time with them. There is no intimacy without alone time. Each of us needs to be making that time in our life to really develop that relationship, to be still, to know Him. God is not about what He does. It's about who He is. So we can see the manifestations of the kingdom, but if we're not going after who He is as a person, we're missing something. So let's go on to the second part. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So the prayers of the pagans were basically attempts to manipulate the gods. So if you've um, read anything about that time, there was a god for everything, and you would go and offer sacrifices to that god. Sometimes they would get really extreme and rip their clothes and, and just repeat things over and over again, just convincing these gods to please intervene. And if they gave them enough sacrifice or gave them enough words or they found the right incantation, then maybe those gods would deign to, to bring some blessing on their life. But it was never relational. It's never about a relationship. It's always just about this manipulation and this negotiating. And it was always about getting what they wanted. We see examples of this in the book of Acts, where Simon the sorcerer wants to get the formula for drawing the Spirit's power. And the seventh sons of Sceva used to make Jesus as a kind of magic power. So they're trying to um, put this sort of pagan mindset onto, onto the ways of Jesus. But well, if I just knew the formula, then I could get the power without the relationship. And if I just knew, how to just say Jesus, 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 that's a magic word. And I don't need the relationship, I've just got the magic word so I can see the blessings come. But can you see, the priority is the blessing and not the blessing. And actually our secular culture is a lot like that as well. John Mark Homer calls says this post-Christian world we live in um, wants the kingdom without a king. So we have certain rituals and we have um, laws even and there are ways of doing life that actually reflect the kingdom. But nobody wants the king. So again, it's about the blessings, but not about the blessing. But we know that getting what we want is secondary. It's the privilege of knowing the Father that is the real blessing. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. It's just challenging this idea of, of prayer as a way to just get what we want. There's a lot of, even our church culture, you know, the way we teach kids to pray sometimes, it, it's, it's a lot about bringing your needs, and of course we bring your needs. But that has to be inside the context of a father-son relationship, where the father already knows all of your needs. Your family knows what's going on for you. Your family knows your heart. You have intimate relationship with somebody. They know already what's happening. You don't need to, I don't need to say, guys, I'm really struggling with work this week. He knows. So within that context, of course we can pray for what we need, but it's the context that's important. If we reduce prayer to I'll ask for what I want and I'm going to see if you do it, that's praying like pagans. 
We've reduced our father to a vending machine, and we've entered, um, and we're in danger of holding him hostage to our chosen outcomes. This is a really real trap. People get stuck here a lot. We get stuck in disappointment here a lot. We pray, we pray, we pray, God, heal my back, heal my back, heal my back. My back's not healed. And then suddenly what we can do is we can make a mistake of going, my back isn't healed, therefore God must not love me. Maybe, maybe worst case scenario, God is not real. So we start to, to, to hold him hostage to the outcomes that we've decided um, prove, prove his love. And my worry is that if that's the basis of our relationship, we harden our hearts against him when we don't see the outcomes. Instead of entering into the constant rest, that Psalm 91 rest of I'm under the shadow of his wings. He is my strength. He is my source. No matter what is happening, I'm going to rest and live in his goodness. He has all the resource I need for whatever problem is in front of me. But if we separate ourselves from him because he hasn't done what we want, then we miss all of the real blessing of actually being in a relationship with a good father. Graham Cook says it like this, the old man has a situational response to everything. So answer prayer in that context is defined by circumstances being resolved the way we want them to be. The new man, however, is relational. So we focus on who God is and who we are in him, which fills us with joy and thanksgiving. Therefore, prayer is answered differently as a new man. We have to stay in the context of relationship. We have to keep coming to get alone with God and, and making that our highest priority. Hmm. Ephesians 3 says he wants to bless us exceedingly abundantly above all we can imagine. Why would you limit him with what you can imagine? Wow. We live in that space of humility of my imaginations, my best case scenario for me. It might not actually be the best case scenario for me, then our prayers start to come up with humility. And we start to pray instead, God, what is your perspective on my situation? Who do you want to be for me in this situation? What are you trying to teach me in this situation? What part of you is available to me in this situation? And that fills us. So prayer isn't about just submitting a list of needs. And what it's really about is just being in the space of communion. And if he's about to, in the next verse, teach us, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, then maybe this whole mindset that we're talking about is not just for us. You see, he knows that if he can get the kingdom into us, we can get the kingdom on everybody else. Yeah. So the first priority is us connecting. But out of that comes this natural overflow. And we often get that backwards. We start to do all the activities first, all the spiritual things. But the first thing is our relationship. And then that naturally, that kingdom will start to overflow. So I'm going to invite David. Because I feel like he's a really great example of somebody who's cultivated this intimate relationship with the Lord on his own. And now what we're experiencing in our church, with many people here that I'm picking on him because he's just been to Sweden, he's got good testimonies. Um, what we are benefiting from is the overflow of his relationship with God. I've, I know a lot of wonderful prophetic people, and I know it's easy to look at them and go, wow, you must have an amazing gift that the Lord just bestowed upon you. 
And that's probably true. I think the Lord does give gifts. But the gift of prophecy is actually for everybody. And if you start to speak to a prophet, what you'll find is they'll tell you about the, the hours of intimacy. They'll tell you about their time alone with the Lord. They'll tell you that in the, the times in secret. And I've started to realize that it's those times in secret that actually fuel that space of being able to release it out. So Dave, you take it away. Amazing. Um, someone said what happened in the, in the Reformation is we replaced the altar at the front of the meeting with the pulpit. And I think sometimes we've got to push the pulpit out the way so we can just get back to the place of the altar. Because it's actually not about what we release from the front through a, a good message, but it's actually being released to lay our lives down in His presence. So I will just say, um, just love your presence so much. Mm. I feel like it's just the right response to just take a moment.
seem strange to some of us, but we just take a moment to honor what he's doing. You know, I think what Jesse was saying is that God wants to move us from being fun- like functional to being relational. Um, you know, John 1 18, the amazing verse says, No one has ever seen God, but the one who was at, him, at his side, being Jesus, he has made him known. But the other translation is, no one has ever seen God, but the one who is in the bosom of the Father, he is made him known. Because, and that's the same John here at the Last Supper, had his head on the chest of Jesus. So Lord, we want to be people who know your rhythm, because our ears are close to your heart. And um, just uh, had an amazing time with some of the guys at Sweden on this camp. And I think one of the most amazing parts about it was that every time we got to just minister to people, um, it was just like within a few seconds, just people were just weeping under the presence of God. Um, I remember I was praying for one of the young ladies who was leading the youth. Um, part of the camp, and I actually can't even remember what I was just praying over her. And she was right at the front, and within like five seconds, she just had like tears like dripping off her chin. And um, I really felt like the love of God has been ministered to so many people. Um, I had a word uh, in one of my seminars uh, about someone who snapped their shoelace. It's like a bit of a weird word of knowledge. And this guy was like, he's like, yeah, it happened a couple of weeks ago, and just like started to pray, pray over him, and he literally like put his, he was sitting down, he put his head back, and he just sighed, like, <laughs> and it was like there was something that was just broken off of him. I just saw like the the power, and, like the love of God pour out, and um, after that, I really felt like there was someone. There's only about fifty people in one seminar. And I really, like, I felt like there was someone there's left elbow at a click. And, like, no one responded. And then the one lady said, I've got pain in my right elbow. So I was like, cool, let's pray for you. Started to just um, prophesy over her. And she started, like, weeping as, and, was, you know, just sharing some things about God, providing for her, making the way. And about halfway through, um, she said, yeah, I'm from Ukraine. And just, like... <laughs> the goodness of God released over her. Um, and the funny thing was that the guy with the left clicking elbow was in the meeting. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I think that was me, because every time I do my elbow, it's the left one that clicks. So like, and he's like, and I said, what's your name? He said, Stefan. I was like, oh, I had a word. I had a word knowledge at the youth last night for Stefan. So obviously God's got to know that. Um, and uh, it was quite funny. I felt like someone had an irregular heartbeat and there were two ladies who put their hands up and they were both sitting like one in front of the other. It was just a lovely moment of God just breaking in. Um, and uh, I think, I think God, I just really believe God wants to minister His love and His presence to us this morning in a fresh way. Um, thank you, Lord. And you know, Jesse was talking about cultivating that life of intimacy. Um, I was saying to Jenna, we were on this trip for a couple of weeks. 
And I said to her, like, the best part of the whole trip for me was just to spend every day with her and with Jude um, as a father just hanging out with his son. It's like there's, not, like there's nothing, there's nothing that tops that, like the highs of ministry, the highs of seeing God touch people, just being with your own son. And I feel like God says that that's his heart towards us. Like for me, he, Jude has a lovely father in wake up normally, but fortunately in Sweden in summer, the sun comes up at, before at 4.30. So I had the um, opportunity to take him for walks around this lake every morning. And um, I remember just like God gave me a message so one morning while I was walking with him. And then when I gave the message, it felt like really awkward and like no one was receiving it. Um, but the best part about that was like the sweetness of just God just giving me this beautiful revelation between me and him while Jude was sleeping in the cram, which is also a miracle. Um, and, just, and I just felt the Lord said, like, that's, that's what I'm after. It doesn't actually matter what happens. I find it's all about what I'm cultivating with you in your own life. So, yeah, I just, I just sense, Lord, why don't you just come? Don't you come and just touch our hearts? Maybe Luke, maybe you can just come up. I just feel like God wants to seal the release over us as he sees preaching. So, just in this moment, just place your hand on your heart and let's just say, Lord, we, we want to be people who move by your presence. Intensify your presence in our lives, Lord. 